This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. Today's scripture reading is taken from various verses. In Proverbs, the thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The Lord has made everything for its purpose even the wicked, for the day of trouble. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. This is the word of God. So in ancient Greece, there was a high priestess that lived in the temple of Apollo, known as the Oracle of Delphi. And people used to go to her for guidance. But that guidance was often confusing impossible to follow, and sometimes downright deceptive. In the ancient Greek play called Oedipus the King, or Oedipus Rex, King Laius of Thebes is warned by that oracle that his newborn son would grow up and kill him. So, Laius orders his wife to expose the child to the elements so that he would die. 
The child, Oedipus, was discovered, though, by a shepherd who gave him to the king of Corinth and his wife to raise as their own child. And Oedipus grows up thinking that he is their child. When he comes of age, he too goes to the oracle for guidance and is told that he will kill his father and marry his mother. Appalled by such a horrific prospect, he leaves home to make sure that never happens. But in his travels, he's assaulted by a man on the road, and he kills him in self-defense. Guess who that was? His father. Then, by chance, he comes to his real hometown, Thebes, and he hears about the Sphinx. The Sphinx was a creature with the head of a woman and the body of a lion. And she had been eating Thebans, who she encountered on the road. She would confront them with this riddle. What goes on four legs in the morning, two legs at noon, and three legs in the evening. And when they couldn't answer her, she would gobble them up. But Oedipus figured out the riddle. The answer is man. He walks on four, he crawls on four in the morning of his life. He walks on two feet in the midday, and then he's assisted by a cane in the evening of his life. So upon receiving the correct answer, the Sphinx commits suicide by throwing herself in the ocean. What a drama queen. The Thebans were grateful. They were so grateful that they made Oedipus their king as a reward. And he married their queen, and they had children. Guess who the queen was? His mother. And the story ends badly. After all, these Greek plays are where we get the term tragedy. But the whole point of this story seems to be that no matter what you do, your destiny is already determined and you can't do anything to change it. There have been, since the beginning of civilization, two competing views of reality. They can be summed up as fate versus free will. In Western civilization, we've had a long tradition of taking man's free will seriously. And that's led to some of the greatest achievements in mankind. But some pushed that free will to the point of excluding any intervention by God. Ironically, by denying God or any supernatural forces, Some have come to the conclusion that everything now is completely determined by cause and effect. There is no free will, only mechanical and chemical processes. The famous atheist Sam Harris says that free will is simply an illusion. So now many in our culture are joining the ancient Greeks and many other worldviews with this fatalistic position. Uh, The ancient Chinese, Indians, uh, Japanese, their cultures have been dominated by a fatalism 
for millennia. And Islam is a latecomer to the party, only having been around for 1,400 years. But all of them have this fatalistic view of the world that says nothing you can do will change the outcome of your life. For the Chinese, everything happens according to the will of heaven. One of their sages said, everything is destiny. We should accept obediently our rightful lot. And for the Hindu in India, one's previous lives are now determining their current fate. Nothing they can do about it. In Japan, when bad things happen, they say, can't be helped. And in cultures that have been captured by Islam, they have a similar expression. Inshallah. It means God wills and is often used as an expression of resignation or even worse, an excuse for not taking initiative. In all of these mindsets, the human is the helpless victim of circumstances that he or she cannot control or resist. But the biblical worldview allows both for God's will and man's free will. It's worked out through the biblical principle of guidance. In Proverbs, we see that people are guided by God into their futures, not tricked or coerced, driven or programmed. So today, we're going to see that the Proverbs command us to do three things in regard to guidance. First, we are to seek guidance. Then we must choose guidance. And finally, we must trust guidance. Seek guidance, choose guidance, and trust guidance. All three of these involve both the divine will and the human will. Remember our definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the acquired learning that helps us to know what to do in a given situation. God gives us the tools through wisdom to make decisions. He doesn't dictate every detail. We're going to see that he expects us to make plans for our lives according to our unique personalities and the situations that we're in, but within the guidelines that he gives us. So the first thing we see when considering guidance in Proverbs is that we must seek it. Let's look at Proverbs twelve fifteen again. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The fool is the man who doesn't need any advice. He already has all the answers. He is his own authority, and he can't stand being told what to do. But if you want to be wise, you listen to those who have greater knowledge and experience than yourself. A young colleague of mine displayed this kind of wisdom years ago uh, when the young adult ministry in our church decided to split off and form their own church. He was a fledgling youth leader, and he was asked to go with them and serve in the new ministry. You know what his reply was? Why should I go with a bunch of guys my own age that don't know anything? when I can stay here and learn from people with years of experience. 
His stock rose dramatically in my eyes that day. His choice was to seek advice from people whom he trusted and who had a track record of making good decisions in life and ministry. This is why we need each other. It's easy to fool ourselves into thinking we have all the answers if we're not exposed to alternate views. Look at the next verse. 15.22 Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Counsel is a synonym for guidance. If you don't seek guidance, your plans will ultimately fail. But there are a million voices out there offering guidance. How do you determine which ones to follow? We'll look at Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So what's integrity? The English word comes from integrate. It means that every part works together as a whole. It means in this context that what you see on the outside is what is really on the inside of a person. The Hebrew word means innocence or lack of guile. And this is bolstered by the next adjective in this verse, the upright. It means to be straight, not to be crooked, not to be deceptive. The upright in Scripture are those who fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is what makes us uh, ready to receive guidance. And this is contrasted with the crooked person who is treacherous, that is, deceitful. He's not what he appears to be on the outside. The treacherous man is unable to see life as it truly is. He doesn't see the potholes in his path and consequently crashes and burns. But the upright man can see the coming dangers. Like a whitewater rafter, avoiding the onrushing rocks in his path. It's our integrity that enables us to follow God's guidance. When our hearts are honest before God, who sees inside our souls, we're fertile ground for his guidance. Now go to 12.5. It says, The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The term just here is legal language that means a correct verdict. What is happening here is an illumination of the mind that enables God's people to see through God's eyes. We're guided by the truth. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is impossible for those who are walking in paths of sin. This is impossible if you don't know God. Their eyes are blinded to the truth, and therefore their counsel, their guidance, is based on lies. So the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.13 that evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse 
deceiving and being deceived. They can't help it. So, how do we know that we're not being deceived? We all want to think of ourselves as good people, don't we? How can we know that we are people of integrity? Well, look at Proverbs 16.2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Our capacity for self-deception is endless. And left to ourselves, we all go astray. Isaiah says that. All we like sheep have gone astray. And there is only one remedy for that. Isaiah's next statement reveals that remedy. Look at Isaiah 53.6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is a prophecy of the coming Messiah, Jesus. And a little farther down in verse 11, it says, Out of the anguish of his soul, Jesus, he shall see, the Father shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. It's a prophecy of Christ dying for our sins. It's only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we can be made righteous. Do you see that in the verse? He will make many to be accounted righteous. The Lord weighs our hearts, and he finds them wanting. But he doesn't leave us there. He takes our sin and He gives us His righteousness. It's not something that we generate within ourselves. It's not something that we work for. It's a free gift. And He transforms our stubborn hearts, our our hearts of stone, into receptive hearts of flesh. And then we're open to His guidance. But once you've made the effort to seek guidance... You have to take the next step or it's not going to do you any good. That means that you must choose guidance. The Apostle James talks about this in James 1.22. He says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Unless you choose to follow the guidance that you sought out, it's not going to do you any good. The biblical word for guidance is nakah. It means leading. Back in chapter 6 of Proverbs, the young man is urged to remember the laws of his mother and father. And in doing so, these laws will lead him. Same word, nakah. It's the word that leads us. It's God's word. It's his laws. There's plenty of instructions in Proverbs for us to follow, especially the prohibitions. Like in chapter 23, there's several do nots. Do not toil to acquire wealth. 
Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool. Do not neglect to discipline your child. And do not look at the wine when it sparkles in the cup. These are choices that we have to make. But guidance is a lot more than avoiding bad things. We've been given the freedom to choose our paths in life. But God wants to guide us in making those plans. So, Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Diligence here includes that seeking out the wise guidance that we just discussed. And then it takes the time to carefully consider the best course from that guidance. But the fool is hasty in his decisions. He's impulsive and lives for the moment and winds up squandering his resources. And it is a joint project between us and God. Look at 16.9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. That word establish means direct. He directs our steps. So does this mean, as in the Oedipus story, that our plans don't matter because God is the one controlling our life? No. It means that he is with us in our plans. I think of it like a father who is teaching his child to ride a bike. She is doing the pedaling and the steering, but he's there to make sure that she keeps on the path. So what if you're certain that you've followed God's guidance and that you've been doing the right things, but it doesn't work out the way that you planned? I mean, what if, what if you pour yourself into a relationship and then you get rejected? Or what if you bring up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they leave the faith? What if you refuse to go along with something at work, something immoral or unethical, and they fire you? Or what if you put your heart and soul into a business or a ministry and it fails? What then? Is that evidence that God was not guiding you? No, again. God knows the end from the beginning, and we don't. Even though we may plan our way, He is still in control. So we choose our way, and then we trust Him for the outcome. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The word commit here, literally means to roll it on, as in roll your burdens onto the Lord. In Hebrew, this is a synonym for trust. It is the same word used in the prophecy of Jesus' crucifixion, where the mockers are saying, He trusted the Lord, let Him deliver Him. Well, Jesus did trust the Lord, and God did establish His plans. It just didn't look that way as he hung there on the cross. But it wasn't over. And once you've chosen to follow God's guidance, you must trust him for the outcome. 
Remember that this is a partnership. He is with us and guiding us every step of the way, even when it's not clear to us how it's going to work out or what he is doing. So look at 1633. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot was a kind of dice roll or coin toss that the ancient Israelites used to determine God's will. So if every tiny decision is ultimately from the Lord, then do we really have free will? It's a good question. But we've already seen that God expects us to make plans. We've already seen that we're held accountable for our decisions. So the biblical model holds both of these truths in tension. Remember the verse we just saw, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. They work together. It might sound like a contradiction, but it's actually very comforting in the end. In all of our frailty and ignorance, we can trust that he will bring us to the proper destination. Remember Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. If you love God, you can act boldly, making decisions confident that He's guiding you. Yet knowing that in spite of your failures, in spite of what the world throws at you, He is going to make it all turn out for your good. But don't err on the side of fatalism and say, well, there's just no use doing anything. No use trying. God will hold you accountable for the choices that you make in the end. And for those who don't love God, will suffer not following His guidance. Look at 16.25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. Even though they refuse to fear God and follow Him, He somehow works their rebellion into that final outcome. Next verse, 16.4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. But don't err on the side of free will either. And think that everything is up to you. It's not. There are many today teaching that if we pray for what we want and we have enough faith, then God is obligated to give it to us. That's a lie. Look at our next proverb, 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And that's the point. You don't know what's going to happen to your plans. The Apostle James says something similar in the New Testament. James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Here, a businessman 
has made plans to go and make money in another town. Yet James warns him, leave room for God's will. Trust God for the results. Don't be arrogant. The key is to trust His guidance. No matter what the circumstances are, no, ma- no matter what happens in life. You know, we often quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but let's look at it in this context. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. It does not say that He might direct your paths. It says He shall direct your paths. Other translations like the ESV and NASB translate it more literally. It says, He will make your paths straight. What does that mean? It means that He has a chosen destination for you and that He will keep you on the path until you arrive at that destination. What a comfort that is. What a blessing to know that He is with us every step of the way through life. Our part is but to seek His guidance, to choose His guidance, and finally to trust His guidance. And He'll take care of the rest. So Oedipus was guided by malicious and capricious gods to a tragic end. At the end of the play, he discovers the truth that he actually did kill his father and he actually did marry his mother. And his mother couldn't bear that reality, so she kills herself. And then, in agony of soul, Oedipus gouges out his own eyes. And that's where the play ends, in hopelessness and despair. But was it Oedipus's fault? I mean, he wanted to do the right thing, didn't he? But he was tricked by the gods into fulfilling the twisted destiny that they designed for him. How different is our Lord? He will always guide us into the truth. And our destiny is glorious, not tragic. No matter how much suffering we encounter in this life, we know that one day, every tear, Lord, we don't understand you. You are so far above us. But Father, we do trust your word. And we ask that you continue to guide us through that word. Lord, that we might walk with you through this life, knowing that one day you are working everything out for our good. So Father, take these truths and sink them deep into our hearts. And we will praise you and honor you for all eternity. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.